0: It's Berg Steeler fans. What's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast, right here on the Steel Curtain Network, which is a part of Fans First Sports Network. Folks, got a great show for you today. Really excited for this one. We're talking training camp. Of course we're talking training camp. That's what everyone is talking about because right now that is all there is to talk about with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We've got some news with the team and we've got the direction of how they're getting ready for this Friday. What I'm really excited about in this first half is I'm going to have coach Kevin Smith on. Now, if you listened on Tuesday morning, you heard coach KT Smith with Brian Anthony Davis on the Here We Go Steelers show as they discussed coach Smith's Thursday visit last week in training camp listen to it talk to coach and I said hey I'd love to have you on and talk about some other stuff you know stuff that maybe wasn't mentioned and Brian said yeah we left a lot on the bone so I was like all hey, let's go let's do this so in the first half of this show it's going to be myself coach KT Smith and you know what happens in the second half in the second half we have the mailbag before we get to coach we got to do some updates so the seven shots update from the Steelers Tuesday practice in La Trobe the offense won six to one. No joke. Six to one dominant performance. This was a fully padded practice. The defense still leads total five to four. That's right. The offense is slowly creeping up, catching up, seven shots update in case you don't know or maybe you forget. That's where the ball's placed at the two yard line. They run seven plays. If the defense stops them, it's a win. If the offense scores, it's a win. Who is the first of four Steelers offense wins on Tuesday? A lot of players returning to practice after he'd been given veteran days off. Uh, A lot of the rookies still getting a lot of exposure. Joey Porter Jr., who's been a very talked about, discussed player on the Steelers roster throughout training camp. He individually struggled in tackling drills on Tuesday, but nonetheless, he's learning. He's a rookie. Some growing pains there for sure. But Mike Tomlin, I loved what he said. You know, the Steelers didn't practice on Monday. Mondays are their days off, so they're getting ready for a game on Friday. He said, we wanted to ramp up the intensity right away. He said, we're not doing motivation Mondays. He said, this is not a corporate Monday morning, and this is also not a Friday afternoon. In other words, show up, get ready to do your job, and go out there and do it well. Mike Tomlin knows how to push those buttons, and that's something that we're going to talk about with Coach Kevin Smith Right after this brief break, we'll be right back. All right, Steeler fans. On Monday, I told you that on Wednesday I was going to have a guest, and it was going to be Kevin Smith. Coach Smith is here, and he was at camp last week. So, Coach Kevin Smith, how's it going?
1: Hey, doing great, Jeff. Uh, happy to be happy to be back after our little our little family tour through Pennsylvania. But uh, it was really awesome to get out to to Latrobe and see some uh, really interesting stuff at Steeler's training camp. So, happy to talk about it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, for those of you that listen to Kevin and Brian Davis's Here We Go, the Steelers show on Tuesday morning, just know like we're not going to hammer home the same topics. Uh, I want to pick his brain on a bunch of other things. And so we're just going to get right to it. So you were at practice last week. It was a non padded practice, which sucks for you. The viewer sucks for you as a coach that wanted to watch some physicality. I'm going to ask you about something that is not even related to the Pittsburgh Steelers football team. I want to get a feel. Because you always write an article. You did it last year when you went to camp for the first time. You did it again this year, your 10 takeaways. and You always talk about some type of fan experience. I think uh, last year it was people were booing Mitch Trubisky or something like that. This year is a little bit different. (laughs) I want to get your feelings on the vibe of the fan base. It feels so different to me, and this is from afar. This is strictly on social media. But when you were standing around mingling with fans, just hearing things, Was it different than a year ago? And if so, how?
1: I think the biggest difference is that last year at camp, there was this element of curiosity about the quarterback battle. Like, like who was that Pittsburgh Steelers team going to be? It was the first year in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era. And it felt as though the fan base was anticipatory, but also kind of nervous. Uh, People didn't love the notion of, of going into the season with Mitch Trubisky as the starter they wanted to see Kenny Pickett. He didn't, when I was there last year, he didn't do much. He was he was running with the third team. And When he got in, there was a lot of enthusiasm and excitement about it. But otherwise, it was a, a more subdued fan base. This year, way more excited. I, I think the crowd was more vibrant. Uh, I think that there was just a, a greater sense of anticipation. I think people have a better idea who this team is. And, uh, you know, this team has an identity. And when a team has an identity, you kind of know what to look for and and what to get behind. And like you mentioned, not being in pads did take away some of the excitement and and it didn't allow you to get a good look at the linemen. And I know people wanted to see Broderick Jones in action and things like that, but it really allowed you to focus on some of the individual matchups, especially those that were happening out in space. And that creates a lot of enthusiasm because sometimes in the 11 on 11, as a fan base, you sort of like get lost a little bit, you know, unless you know exactly what you're looking for. This time around, you could focus a little bit more on that one on one stuff. So it was a more uh, vibrant and I would say uh, optimistic crowd than last year.
0: I I think that's kind of. the the vibe that I'm getting across the board is that there, there there's some expectations tied with this team people are expecting this team to be better than they were last year. The quarterback, that's probably why they feel that way. And let's start with the quarterback. So last year, like you said, Kenny Pickett didn't do much this year. He is the quarterback. There's no question about it. And he is the starter. What were the differences you saw in Pickett, whether it was the way he carried himself interactions with teammates, throwing the football, you name it. What did you see about Kenny Pickett? At, your, at training camp last week?
1: So, well, first and foremost, his presence has changed. Last year when he came on the field, you didn't even notice. Like, I remember having to look for him last year. Like, where's Pickett? Where's Pickett? Oh, oh he's over there on that, on that side field just doing some drill work. This year, when he came down the hill, you knew it, right? When, and, I've, and when I said when he came down the hill, for people who, who have never been to training camp, when, when practice starts, all the players come down a hill out of the dorms and the meeting rooms onto the practice fields and fans line the hill to try to get, you know, a high five or an autograph or something like that. And, and they generally, you know, when the most popular players come down the hill, there's a roar. And if you're, if you're, if you're not standing near the hill, you tend to look up. Oh, who's that? Cause you hear the fans cheering. When Pickett came down the hill, the place erupted. And, and that was just so different than last year. Um, when he walked onto the field, he, he was the guy. And that, that's a huge difference too. I mean, he was in charge. He, he was immediately, Directing guys to do certain things, uh, go go to this group, go there. When he came out, when he came to the sideline, in between a drill or a series, he would immediately grab guys and start talking to them about you know whatever specific thing that he wanted to address. The presence of Kenny Pickett is vastly different from last year, and that's a, that's hugely important. We, you've read reports that say like, hey, he's the, he's the leader. It's, it's Kenny's our guy. It's Kenny's team. That showed up uh, significantly at training camp. The other thing that showed up. Is and this is just from a from a scheme standpoint, there was a ton of work on throwing the ball down the middle of the field. And I know that that will excite some Steelers fans because there's yeah. been a lot of criticism about the passing game the last couple of years and the failure or inability to attack uh, in down the middle. There was a lot of middle of the field passing game, whether it was to you know G- uh, George Pickens or the tight ends or uh, whomever. So so that kind of had me interested as well. You know, you, you try to fo- you try to think to yourself, all right, what are they really working on? Uh, cause that's what practice is. Practice is preparation for games. and And they spend a lot of time throwing the ball in the middle of the field. So we may see a big difference there as well, because that probably speaks to Kenny Pickett's evolution in his ability to read defenses. And that's another thing to be excited about.
0: is Does his arm look any more lively? Is his strength like is, is there anything about even his physical stature? There was a lot of reports in the offseason that he's put on some muscle that he's kind of gotten stronger. Uh, did you see any of that or was it just kind of like, well, it looks pretty much the same last year?
1: Yeah. I mean, pretty hard to tell. And again, man, without, without them being in full pads and going in, in true live situations, it's sometimes difficult yeah. to get an idea for that. Like you can really arm strength really shows up in situational things like, like you've got guys in your face and you really can't drive into your throw and you can still make like that deep outcut to the opposite side of the field. You can still throw that deep out cut. I mean, that's really where you say like, boy, he's, he's showing off some good arm strength when you're in shorts and there's n- not really much pressure in your face and you right. can feel comfortable back there and drive the ball. It's, you know, it's really hard to tell, but I, I did, I did uh, think that his deep balls look great. I mean, he really aired out some beautiful deep balls. Uh, seems to have a little more touch on them. seems to have a little more uh, for lack of a better term, hang time, you know, we're not, we're not, mm-hmm. not punting here, obviously, but, His ball's got a little more air under it. There were some really beautiful throws deep down the field uh, to George Pickens and Calvin Austin where he just aired it out and let them run under it. Last year, he may have missed on those throws by a couple yards. So uh, he seems a more polished quarterback for sure. I want to
0: stick with the offense. It's where my that's, I'm very intrigued uh, by the offense this year. And really, I have no clue what to expect based on the evolution of Kenny Pickett, like you mentioned, as well as you have these new pieces of the puzzle. But the one thing I'm really concerned with, not concerned, maybe that's not the right word, his connection with Deontay Johnson was not good last year. Uh, how's Deontay Johnson looking? Do he and Pickett look like they're on the same page? And I'm talking about even if they're just running basic warm-up drills, routes, How's their timing looking and, and what does that look like
1: coming into this season? Well, to add insult to injury, not only was it a non-padded day when I was there, but it was also like a veterans off day. <laughs> so I didn't get to see Was Deontay Dayward. Johnson not dressed? Deontay Johnson did not dress. Right. Oh, so God, so that I didn't sucks. get to see either one of those. Well, you know what was it? What was interesting about that though? Was you know you know Deontay Johnson's going to make the roster right and and you make a good point he and Kenny Pickett obviously have to develop their chemistry but but we know we know he's making the roster we know Robinson's making the roster uh, Pickens practiced and was fabulous but you really got you really got to look at the like the fringe guys so there's they're going to wind up keeping probably six receivers because of special teams and you really got a good look at those four five and six guys and. I don't know if there's a guy that separated himself. I mean, Calvin Austin, you, you you're going to assume will make the roster simply because of his speed and the element that he brings to the offense. And in, in the like seven-on-seven seven drill, so seven-on-seven seven is just like a skeleton drill where there are no linemen involved. It's quarterbacks, receivers going up against linebackers and D-backs. He, he was uncoverable in those drills, totally uncoverable, uh, simply because of how fast and shifty he is. But when you got into the eleven on eleven, and they did they did run some eleven on eleven. But when you got into that, the full team stuff, he kind of disappeared. And my concern about Calvin Austin is, he's you know at five foot eight, uh, in this sea of massive bodies, and the Steelers. That's another thing. You know, without sidetracking myself, that's another thing. When you walk down onto the field and you get close to the receivers, it is stunning how large they are. They're as big as the linemen. Yeah. You know, like I mean, Boykin's six butlers Butler 65, Pickens is 63, Fryermuth is 65, 67 Washington 68 Gentry. They're a massive group. Allen Robinson 63. They are absolutely massive uh at the receiver position. And then Calvin Austin's 5 foot 8. And he kind of got lost in there, you know, like I, I noticed in the 11 on 11, they ran one play where Austin was lined up uh in the like a tight bunch with um, Pat Fryermuth, and then they motioned Darnell Washington over and stacked him next to Fryermuth, and Austin just disappeared, like you couldn't even see him. And I, w- and if the Steelers scheme that right, that could be great. But if they don't, he's going to get lost. So I think they're going to really have to scheme him open. So that'll be the issue with him. Uh, and then, but then you, you also got an, issue, uh, uh, an opportunity to look at at like your your fringe guys, your Boykin, Butler, Cody White, those guys. And Cody White looked good. Cody White. Looked, looks good every preseason and he looked good again. He looked good again <laughs> yeah. on, on Thursday. Uh, you know, Boykin didn't stand out, but we we know he's maybe the Steelers best special teams player and uh, you know, Hakeem Butler struggled. So f- from a, from a standpoint of like those fringe guys, I, I think Butler's probably got the, the, the toughest road.
0: Now, in terms of pass catchers, a player that also brings a lot of intrigue is rookie Darnell Washington. You mentioned his size. He is a mountain of a man. I think you sent a picture. You put a picture in the article, but you sent a picture on our Slack channel how he kind of dwarfed Connor Hayward as they were all standing together in a group. Did you notice anything about him? Because the reports early were that when the pads were off, he just kind of looked like a baby giraffe, like trying to get his legs. But when the pads came on, now you didn't get to see this, but that's when you saw what Darnell Washington can bring to this team, both as a blocker, but also as more of an offensive threat. Did you see any, any glimpses or anything like that from him?
1: So he's not quick and you, it would be hard to expect him to be at that size. Yeah. So he's not a guy who gets in and out of his cuts fast or in and out of his breaks, but as a field stretcher going vertically, uh, I'll just give you one example the, the Steelers were running a two-minute drill at, to end practice. And the first team was out there, and they ran a four-verticals concept, right, where you got two, the two, tight end and the slot going down the seam and the two wideouts going down the sidelines. And the defense blitzed. And Gunnar Olszewski was running up the left seam, and he was wide open. And now Gunnar Olszewski's 5'11", uh, but Pickett didn't see him, right? The blitz was coming in his face, and Pickett had to get out of the pocket, and he wound up scrambling and ended up throwing an interception on a play that Joey Porter made an absolutely phenomenal play on. It was, it was Pickett's probably worst throw of the day. Porter made a great play. But the point is, he had Olszewski up the seam early, and he just couldn't, he just couldn't find him. Then the second team comes out to run their two-minute drill with Trubisky, and Darnell Washington uh, is now on the field. And they run that same four verticals. And I, I can't remember if the defense brought pressure or not, but – Trubisky sees Washington up the seam right away and hits him for like a 25 yard touchdown, and that literally ended practice. I mean, Mike Tomlin blew the whistle. The crowd went nuts. By the way, when, when yeah. Washington caught that ball, and Trubisky put it up high, and it was a, it was a nice throw. So he put it up high to a six seven guy. There's just no way that unless the defender's in perfect position, he's going to be able to to make a play on that. And Washington looked really natural going up and catching it. So I think that he's a guy who will have a uh, managed route tree a little bit like george pickens did last year but i anticipate the routes he does run he'll be very effective at because he can move pretty well and he's just a, a large human being
0: yeah big target for sure yeah. uh Hard we to haven't miss talked him. yes <laughs> seriously let's we haven't talked about the defense and again you when you talk about a non-padded practice talk about a, a group that is being disabled almost like you, you're, you're taking away the physicality of the game and that's going to be their MO on every single play. Was there anything that jumped out at you on defense outside of Joey Porter, which you talked about already once. And then obviously so you talked about that with Brian yesterday morning, yep. uh, anyone else on defense stand out in any way, shape or form. I mean, I'll
1: give you two guys. I thought James Pierre looked great at corner. I thought he did uh, an excellent job. Um, I mean, Porter was the showstopper, but uh, James Pierre was a guy who, across from him again on a day where a lot of veterans sat out, including Patrick Peterson. Uh, He got a lot of reps and looked really good. The guy who just leaps out though. I mean, absolutely leaps out is Alex Highsmith. I mean, he is, he looks, he just looks different. He's leaner. He's quicker. Um, He, he's got, you can tell he's been working with TJ Watt or, or if not working with him, then, then, uh, then modeling some of TJ Watts repertoire because The defense practice is on the far field. So sometimes it's hard to see exactly what they're doing or who's who. And early on in the pre-practice session, when they were just kind of going through some simple pass rush drills, I I thought it was TJ Watt. I was like, oh, good, TJ Watt's practicing. But then when they broke up and they came closer, I saw it was Highsmith. I was like, damn, he looks like TJ Watt. The dip and rip move that TJ has perfected, the way he was bending the edge, even his body type, you know, like he had a little more of a Lamar Woodley body type two years ago. He is much leaner. He looks a little more like TJ Watt now. And I think that that being a little bit leaner is going to allow him to be quicker. So uh, if there was one guy who really opened my eyes on the defensive side of the ball, even if we didn't get to see him truly live, it was Highsmith.
0: I've heard the same thing from a lot of people. I want to ask you, though, did you see anything from Nick Herbig? Because he's been turning heads. In camp, and again, I used talk about the defense being away, non padded practice. We all know that. Did you see
1: anything from the young uh, Wisconsin Badger? Yeah, he's quick. He's going to need to develop a, a counter move because okay. in the one on one pass rush drills, uh, he could get home on some of the you, you know like fringe tackles. But going up against more, uh, going up against a core four, he couldn't bend the edge. Those guys were just a little too quick and a little too long. Yeah. So uh, the big thing for him will be like, what's what's plan B, right? When they take away your speed rush, what's plan B? And that's, I think, a natural uh, progression for most rookies. They're going to have to learn that as they go. High Smith is like kind of taking a leap as a player because he's learned to do more than just bull rush guys, which he did as, as a rookie. Um, so Nick Herbert looked good. Uh, the The linebacker Nick, how do you say Nick? Was it Kowakowski? Yeah, something like that. We'll just say yeah. Nick K. How about that? Yeah, Nick K. Perfect, right? <laughs> Nick K. Nick K. can run. You know, I don't know if Nick K. is going to make the roster because it's probably going to come down to like hit, between him and Tanner Muse for that finer yeah. final spot. And and what we hear is that Muse, you know, is, is a pretty good special teams player. But uh, but Nick K. can run, man. He was he was like sideline to sideline. So again, no pads, right? So he does, He's not having to take on blocks and and uh you know do the do the tough stuff the dirty work but from from an athletic perspective he could really run he got he impressed me too
0: all right last question for you here probably let you go. you're a coach and coaches watches watch they watch other coaches and they try to pick pick up little things here or there uh you've talked about before that you've taken the seven shots drill and implemented into your high school team uh mike tomlin never disappoints right did you pick up anything from coach t or any of the coaches while you're a training camp?
1: He's the man. He, I wrote, I wrote in the article, the recap article, I wrote a couple, couple Tomlin quotes in there. One, one I loved was in the pre-practice, you know, he goes around in the pre-practice and he, and he, he talks to everybody, right. He, which I think is a huge thing to do, right. Connect with your players, just give them, if the head coach speaks to you for 10 seconds before practice, it's surprising how much that actually means. And he was going around to each, each little kind of group of guys, he told George Pickens, you know, I saw, I saw him kind of tap his his head and he said, uh, let's be great mentally today. No mental mistakes, which I, I, everybody understands how good George Pickens is going to be physically. So that, that little reminder from Tomlin to be sharp mentally, I think it was a big deal. But the thing, the, my most impressive Mike Tomlin moment of the practice, and I don't even remember this guy's name. I, I hate to say it, but Steelers have a, a linebacker in, in camp, number 40, uh, and I, I can't remember his name. I apologize. But He's a, he's, a, he's a fringe player, uh, probably doesn't have a, a great chance to make the team, but they are doing a special teams drill and and they're just punting the ball down the field and they got like gunners and guys running down and uh, they're trying to you know get a touch on them. And number 40 comes flying down the field, et cetera, uh, tries to get a tag on Gunnar Olszewski. And Tomlin stopped and he said to him, you know, like your ability to play in space is really interesting to me. He said, This is big business for you. Uh, you know, keep working, keep working. But just the simple fact that he like he took that moment in the middle of a really fast-paced drill when he didn't even need to take that moment, and spoke to this this fringe roster player to give him these words of encouragement. I thought is like that's a that's a little detail I think a lot of coaches miss. I think that they I think the fact that, like you say that to that number, you know, number 40, whoever he was, but maybe he doesn't yeah. make the roster, but maybe that becomes something that he uses later on in his career. He just that little point that he got from Mike Tomlin, maybe he catches on with some other team. And Mike Tomlin didn't even seem to like mind, like this guy's probably not going to make my roster, but I'm still going to address him. And uh, it was just, it's just coaching. That's just real coaching. And I I was so impressed by it.
0: So I don't know if you saw the video, uh, uh, went on social media, the Steelers uh, social media team has a, a board where the players get off their uh, golf carts and they have to go into the dorms and go down the hill and meeting rooms and stuff. And they have a daily question with a little camera up there. So they're filming all the players' responses. And one of them was, what is your favorite Tomlinism? <laughs> and so you've got all these players, you know, uh, Kenny Pickett comes up and goes, don't get lost in the minutia. That's what his was. And Deontay Johnson was like, we don't care where you came from. right? It's just how you got here. But Presley Harvin said one that stuck out to me as a coach, as a human, as a man. He said, my favorite is pressure is always relevant. You're either feeling it or you are applying it. And I was oh, like, I gosh, it. that is so freaking good. And that's probably one you never hear him say in a press conference. That's something no. he's saying to the team in the locker room. Pressure is always relevant. You're either feeling it or you are applying it. Ooh, you want awesome. to apply I'm the a, I might steal that one. I've you stolen should have, some that. That's what I'm telling you. Cause if I was yeah. still coaching, that would be on the on the whiteboard the next day. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: I use I use big windshield, small rear view mirror uh, all the time, man. You know, for sure. Just cause, Cause kids get in their heads about stuff, you know. They yeah, mess up. Absolutely. You know, you mess up, you miss a tackle, they come off the sideline. You could see by their body language and their look. Like they're gonna be thinking about that for their the rest of the game. I gotta, yeah, you know, I gotta get that out of their head, man. Look forward so I love the Absolutely. big windshield, small rearview mirror quote. Yeah,
0: you can't change what happened. You can only change what's going to happen. So get yep. your head right. Let's go out and make the next play. That's what I used to always say. Next play, big play. Here we go. So, yep. all right, Coach, thank you very much for taking the time. Hey, I want to announce that you and I are going to be doing a show every Tuesday morning uh, once the season rolls around. It's going to be kind of a whip around show where we are going to be talking about the biggest storylines in the National Football League. You can find it anywhere where you get your podcast by searching FFSN NFL. That's also where you can get Kevin's call sheet podcast every week. Kevin, what do you have teed up this week? Do you know?
1: Yeah, we're talking about the nature of training camp, right? The whole, yeah. the, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to relay a little bit of my training camp experience with the Steelers, but it's not really about Steelers centric. It's not Steelers specific. It's about you know what, what is the goal? And you're, when you're a coach, uh, or you're an organization, right? What are you doing realistically in training camp? Obviously beyond the obvious of, you know, assembling your roster and practicing your place. But what are you, what are you building and how do you build it? It's really kind of a, how does the sausage get made yeah. kind of discussion?
0: Very good. I'm excited for it. Coach. Thanks for the time as always. Until next time, take it easy.
1: That was great. Thanks, Jeff. No problem.
0: Big thank you to Coach for taking the time, and he's a busy guy. He's getting his team ready to go for the upcoming season. It's the second half of the show, and you know what that means. It is time for the mailbag segment. We had a ton of questions. I figured we would be getting more and more as we get closer to the regular season. With the preseason coming up on Friday, man, there's a lot of, a lot of questions. Let's get started. Heath Davis, he asked several. He said, El Jefe, is it about time for the yearly Le'Veon Bell tweet where he says, quote, this is the year y'all remember, unquote, or do we still have some time? Uh, honestly, it seems like light. It, it seems like light years ago that Le'Veon Bell was a part of the Steelers. I, I've kind of just put him in my rearview mirror. Don't really pay much attention, and that's the way it should be. Next from Heath, I want to preference. I, I want to preference by. I preface this by saying I love Tomlin. If we win another Super Bowl in the next two to three years and Tomlin retires, what current NFL coach could you see as as a successor? I could see Flores making a return, and I wouldn't mind Shanahan either. hashtag Ride or So. Uh, It's tough for me to say that if the Steelers win a Super Bowl again and Mike Tomlin says, I'm done, he's walking away, they will have probably a slew of people that want to be a part of this organization. Brian Flores might be at the top of their list if he is still available. Got to remember, he has to be a coaching-free agent, so to speak. Next from Heath, final question. Who do you think will have the most trial-by-fire type of season of all the new additions? Well, I think that comes down to position. So I think Joey Porter will be the first one. To see that trial by fire, just because I think he's going to be the first rookie to really get out there and and be given an opportunity to have that trial by fire experience. I don't think it's going to be Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington. Probably not so much. I think it's going to be Joey Porter Jr. So, thank you, Heath, for all those questions. Let's get to M Dibs. M Dibs had several questions as well. M Dibs, what's your favorite Tomlinism? It's one that I just referenced in the first half of the show. I was watching that clip. I shared it on my Twitter feed. I'm sure a lot of people saw it on the Steelers social media feed uh, where all the players were just talking about, you know, all their favorite Tomlinos. It was the one that Presley Harvin said. You know, pressure is forever relevant. You're either applying it or feeling it. I love that. I love that in life. I I just love it. That's probably my favorite one, and it's a new one. I had never heard that one before. All right, next from M. Dibs, If you had to Will Smith slap a current player to wake them up, who would you choose? Kevin Dotson. I'd say, Kevin Dotson, you have had every opportunity to prove yourself, to go out there and be the starting guard for the Steelers. And you're letting it slip away, man. And I think it's already gone, to be honest. I mean, unless Isaac Samalu gets hurt, I think it's already gone. But still, I'd be like, come on. Like, get your stuff together. That's who I would choose. M. Dibbs also asks, you said you've been a lacrosse coach. Why not football? So I played lacrosse in college. Played baseball up until college. Never played lacrosse until I got into college. And my football experience ended in middle school. You know, I had a choice. I I was what we call a physical late bloomer. I I just didn't hit a major growth spurt until I was almost out of high school. Uh, Football in high school would just not have worked out well for me. We'll put it that way. So if I was going to coach any other sport than lacrosse, it would probably be baseball. But I've always loved football. I've always loved the game. I I love to watch it. I love to learn about it. But I'm not about to say that I know enough to be able to coach it at any level. Okay, M. Dibs continues. Start bench and cut Joe Flacco, Steve McNair, Kyle Bowler. All right. So, believe it or not, I'll start Joe Flacco. I will bench Steve McNair, and I will cut Kyle Bowler. Boy, those are three names for you. Next from M. Dibs, does Kendrick Green try punting next? If I'm Kendrick Green, I'm doing everything that I can to try and make the team. If it means I got to punt the football, I'm going to punt the freaking football. That's what I would do if I was Kendrick Green. I don't blame the guy at all for trying to just do anything to make the team, like anything, including punt. MDiv's last one, I promise. Could you see Najee Harris breaking Barry Foster's single season record this year? I know deep down you don't want that. I honestly don't care. Barry Foster was my first favorite player. He's not my favorite Steeler ever. So in that regard, I really don't care if he breaks it. I mean, Barry Foster had such a short-lived career with the Steelers. Like, it doesn't bother me. I would love to see Najee Harris. but I don't want to see Najee Harris break down like Barry Foster did after that incredible 93-94 run uh, with him. Okay, good stuff. Let's go to Brian Haynes. He has several. Brian Haynes goes, If you could design a play for the Steelers, what would it be? Who would be in? Empty set, I formation, double receiver, flea, double reverse flea flicker, fumble, rooski. Love the nod to uh, Little Giants, one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, so if I'm going to design a play, it's going to be, it's going to have a, a little bit of a trick element to it. I've always loved the halfback pass. I don't know what it is. I, not the flea flicker. It takes too long to develop. I always go back to a game. It was a Monday night game in Tampa Bay. Jerome Bettis got a, a stretch handoff. Might actually have been a toss, and he's running to his right. And everyone thinks, oh my gosh, Jerome's going to try to plunge it in the end zone. And then he throws the pass. I think he hit Jeremy Tooman in the back of the end zone for the touchdown. Was a great play. I always remember that. That's what I would go with probably. Okay, next from Brian. With the current reports of standouts to camp, who do you think has gone from likely cut to probable roster spot? This is a tough one. You know, I'm going to go with a, a player that we talked a little bit about in the first half, and, and Jeremy Jerome Betts talked about him on the Steelers' fix on Tuesday, so make sure you check it out because he was at camp as well. We'll talk to him on Friday. But Jeremy was talking about Gunnar Olszewski is looking good. And with his special teams prowess, it's going to be tough for them to cut him. It's going to be interesting, but I think that everyone assumed he was going to get cut. And like you said in the question, with the reports of the standouts, who do you think has gone from likely cut to probable roster slot? I'm going to go with Gunnar O. Next one, Brian, if Mike Tomlin retired today, does he get a gold jacket? I think he does, based on winning percentage alone. Uh, next one, Brian, would you rather Kendrick Green as our fullback this year or bring back what? If Kendrick Green can be that goal line fullback, give hey, Najee gets the ball, Green's plowing ahead of him, sure, let's do that. I don't want him carrying the football, but if it's just blocking, yeah, sure, he or Connor Hayward, they should be able to get that job done. Okay, last one from Brian. You get to sit and watch film of one game with one player from that game and pick their brain about anything during the game. Who is it and what game is it? For me, I'm an offensive guy. You should know this by listening to the program that I like the offensive side of the football. That's kind of what I cling to by nature. So for me, I'm going to go with uh I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett. I'm going to go with the current quarterback. If I had to watch any game, just one game, and that's that's tough. I'd like to go back and watch the Baltimore Ravens game, and I'd like to see what he's thinking with that final drive especially. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right, Mike Smith, he asked, do you feel differently about Pickens saying he's the best receiver in the world than you did about Chase Claypool saying he is a top three receiver in the league last year? So I think here's the difference, and I I can't take credit for this. I forget who it was on Twitter. They were kind of talking about this very same thing, and they said how with Claypool – you know, if he would have said this after his rookie season, just like George Pickens' rookie season, no one would have been that upset. But he didn't. He said it after a really lackluster year. Remember, Chase Claypool's rookie year was phenomenal. He was a touchdown scoring machine. And then he came up with a kind of a lame duck sophomore season. George Pickens coming off a red-hot rookie season where I thought he played extremely well, all things considered. So I don't have much of it. I actually didn't have a problem with with. Claypool. If I'm being honest, I didn't have a problem with him saying that. I love players that have confidence in themselves, and that's exactly what both of these guys are doing. If you have someone that says, "Oh, like, what do you, where do you rank yourself? Oh, I'm probably I don't know, I would probably be outside the top 100 receivers." Like, what are, what are you saying? You're gonna say this if you're confident in yourself. I don't I don't mind either one of these guys. Let's go to Corey Eckenroth. He said, "There's finally Steelers football this Friday. After hearing the camp reports, who are you most interested in watching in this first preseason game?" For me, I have to see what the buzz regarding Darnell Washington is all about. I'm excited to see if I if I could, I think back to post-NFL draft. I'm going to go with a rookie for sure. Post-NFL draft, the one player that I thought, no, this guy's probably just a special teamer is Nick Herbig. I want to see Nick Herbig because he has been getting a ton of buzz in training camp. I want to see what he can do. I want to see how he does it. That's who I'm going to go with and who I'm excited to see. All right, Tank, he asked a lot of questions. Here we go. Mason Rudolph, uh, likes to pass to Calvin Austin. The third wasn't a question. It was an observation. Do you think Kenny Pickett is going to develop a connection with CA three or GP 14 going to is George Pickens going to score four, 11 touchdowns with 1400 yards? I think that Kenny Pickett absolutely is going to develop a connection with Calvin Austin. I think they already had one last season as rookies, uh, but I think it's going to grow. George Pickens going 11 touchdowns, fourteen hundred yards. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under on both. If I, if a, if I'm a betting man, that's what I'm doing. Next from tank. When the Steelers go to the Super Bowl, how are you going to convince your wife to have a watch party with a ride or die crew and the stat geeks? That's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough sell. We'll be honest. That's going to be a tough sell. Next from tank. I've missed these for a month. Still been listening, but man, finally caught it with training camp underway. And the season about to start. How did you introduce the Steelers to your kids? All right, so with my children, um, obviously they grew up, and in, in my house is different than most. You probably, a lot of people might think that when you walk in, you're just like, oh my gosh, it's like a Steelers' haven. It really isn't. like Unless you look in my closet, which has Steelers' shirts everywhere, um, you really probably wouldn't know. Like, I don't have a ton of memorabilia hanging anywhere, I'm not too much into that stuff anymore at this stage of my life. Uh, I, I just... I wanted them to be Pittsburgh fans. They kind of were drawn to that based on the fact that their dad was a Pittsburgh fan. And I kind of let them get to it on their own. There's times where my daughters and my son, they they had no interest in watching the games with me. And that's fine. I never like forced them to sit down and watch. They saw I was interested. They slowly got interested. And then next thing you know, they started to watch. And so now my daughters, especially the oldest two, they, they're they really, really interested in the Steelers. They know the players. They love watching. They ask questions. It's a lot of fun. Been really enjoying it. So, yeah, uh, I just kind of eased them into it, so to speak. There you go. Another one from Tank. I went to Latrobe last week, as you saw, and I noticed the boom in number three's punts. Camp leg or serious contender? I think that it's a contender situation. Mike Tomlin's spoken about this and said, hey, it's going to be whoever's the most consistent. They both have big legs. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, Tank also says, KP eight stat prediction, 31 touchdowns, 7, t- 7 INTs, but the Steelers will score 53 touchdowns total this season. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to go under on hopefully all metrics. Even though I like got touchdowns, I think he's going to be under 30. Uh, hopefully he's under 7. Uh, and then 53, I don't think they score 53. Tank asks, which training camp battle are you most excited for? Uh, so far, I've been loving this uh I've been loving the the, the battle on the defensive front. Isaiah Loudermilk had a good practice on Tuesday. He's putting his best foot forward, seeing who else might show up. Armon Watts. Maybe it's someone like Keanu Benton who's been banged up a little bit early in camp. I'm excited to see what that looks like. All right, let's get back up here, okay? I'm trying to find some others that I missed. Here we go. Doc M., Southside Doc. What events and milestones are you getting excited for during the preseason? Uh, This is the only time that we're going to get to see some of these young players play. If you're being honest, uh, some of these rookies even, you're just not going to get to see them play after this, you know, after the preseason. So I love to watch these fringe guys. But when I say fringe guys, I'm not talking about the, the players that are number 89 and 90 on the on the uh, offseason roster. I'm talking about the guys that are going to make the 53 or have a good shot at making the 53, but are still going to play a lot. That's what I look forward to. But obviously, when the starters, you get that final dress rehearsal, you want to see them play as well. So those are some milestones. Nathan Vance, like, hey, Jeff, I'm excited like everyone. That we're finally getting a Steelers football game this week. Here's a fun question. Which five current Steelers are selecting for are you selecting for a game of kickball? Okay, I actually think this is pretty easy. I'm gonna go Minka Fitzpatrick, I'm gonna go TJ Watt, give me Calvin Austin the third, give me Kenny Pickett, and then I want a big guy for a big leg. Let's give me Cam Hayward. There you go. Actually, no, take that back. I get rid of Cam. I'm gonna get Chris Boswell. You want the kicker, right? I can't believe I forgot that. So there that's that's a pretty good team, in my opinion. Okay, Eric asks you, says, when it comes to pay the Piper and assuming they both are top class in their profession, would you rather extend Pickens or Pickett? Also, what's one surprising thing you've heard or seen at this year's training camp, like Green taking reps at fullback? Uh, You're going to take care of the quarterback. That's first and foremost, Uh, that's the easiest answer. You're going to take care of the quarterback. just the way it is in today's NFL. So I would take uh, Pickett. The surprising thing I've seen at training camp... I, I've been really surprised with some of the rookies stepping up. I had to mention Herbig, Joey Porter Jr. look good. Broder Jones, when he's given an opportunity, has, has held his own. So there you go. Okay. Uh, oh, I missed one from Heath Davis. Let's say the Steelers keep the momentum going and average thirty points per game this year. What would be higher than last year? That would be that would be a lot higher than last year, Heath. How many games do they win? Averaging 30 points or more, or if we average less than 30 points per game. I, I think if, even if they average like around 23, 24, it'd be a, still a huge jump in terms of average. That's something Dave Schofield talked about on his Stat Geek podcast a few weeks ago. And I think they would win more than nine games. So I would say double digit wins. There you go. Bagels and bong rips. Love the name. He said, Well, who does Gunner have to beat out to stay on the team? He's got to beat out Hakeem Butler. And he might have to beat definitely Hakeem Butler. Like that's definitely one. Cody White's another one. And maybe just maybe Calvin Austin the third. Those are the three guys. Diego Fernandez, Kendrick Green is a fullback, is a project, a reality, or a nightmare. I think it's a project. If I'm answering your question, then after Quan Alexander signing with no more injuries, could we expect more signings? I don't think so. Not until the players that are getting cut from other teams are actually released. Keith McCray. Why are the Steelers messing with Kevin Green's Kendrick Green's head? He'll never play fullback on this team and won't play O-line either. They're giving him a chance. I'm not going to say that they're messing with his head. They're giving him a shot to, to show he can do something unique that can get him a spot on the team. I don't think that's messing with his head. I think that's giving him an opportunity. Uh, Joshua Petrick said, Hey, Jeff, hope all is well. It is. Thank you. Same with you. Think we see Kendrick Green on Friday as a fullback. I do. I absolutely do. And let's finish this up three from is George Pickens really him since we are back to bully ball. Who do you think has the best D block this year? Pickens or Washington mean a stiff arm, Najee Darnell or George. It's to me, Najee Harris's stiff arm is probably the best, the best in the NFL. But also, who's gonna have the best decleading block? Give me George Pickens, because those DBs, they, they are scared of that dude. And I understand why. Next from is George Pickens really him. Who do you think will have the most explosive plays this year between Aunt Matt, Connor Hayward, or Darnell Washington? And why? I'm gonna go with Connor Hayward. Based on the fact, I think he's going to have more opportunities, and he just seems to be a mismatch nightmare for defenses. And last one, he said, for the hat trick again, after the Steelers raise the Lombardi this February, and Kenny gets Super Bowl MVP honors in this epic battle to beat the Eagles in the Keystones Super Bowl, will James Chamberlain shut up, or will we still have to hear his nonsense? We'll still probably have to hear some nonsense about it from a lot of people, not just the gentleman that you asked about in your tweet. All right, y'all did a great job asking those questions i really do appreciate it the mailbag segment's always one of my favorite times of the week i want to keep you up to date on everything so make sure you're on the lookout for friday's show i'm going to have jeremy drone bets on we're going to be talking about his camp experience also what to look for in the game on friday and i'm going to be tying up some loose ends with the pittsburgh steelers to get you primed and ready for the game on friday night against the tampa bay buccaneers down in florida so hey i've enjoyed this show i hope you did too I will be back on Friday. You know how we finished out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your week. We will see you on Friday. Good to you.